0: What's going on y'all? Before we get into the podcast, I just wanted to remind you about Strong Tower Nutrition and that if you go to stnutrition.com and type in the promo code Strong, you can save 10%. And I want you to make sure you look at the EDDs that every damn day is the multivitamin. You want to check that out and get your vitamin D. Uh, make sure that's make sure that's straight. Also your vegan omega-3s, that we use algal oil. We don't use fish oil here. So the reason to take omega-3s would be to support healthy pregnancy to boost eye health or support your cardiovascular health. It aids in cognitive and health development, improves your memory, and able to uh, reduce inflammation. So again, if you go to stnutrition.com, you can save 10% and using the code STRONG. And we just thank you for support and we'll just try to continue to provide you with the supplements that will help you move forward. What's up y'all? So today's guest is a personal trainer. He's a strength and conditioning coach and he's also coaching young basketball players or even older ones. Try, just trying to get them better to be a better basketball player in every aspect of whether it be conditioning or strength and we get a lot into that in the, in the podcast so it'll be interesting and I learned a lot and I hope you can learn something as well when you listen to it. So here he is. Phil Gephardt. It's it's my foundation. It's my faith. It's my work ethic. It's my drive. It's everything that I've tried to build for myself that has made me who I am. Do what it takes to make you
1: believe. story's interesting. I mean, uh, my dad forced me to try out in seventh grade. I was afraid I would get cut, and I wasn't at Newcastle. Then I was at another Christian school in Michigan. And nobody did get cut. You remember those days, of that, mm-hmm. you know, small Christian schools. And so I was worrying over nothing, but I was, I was MVP that year. I was MVP eighth grade, moved to Newcastle ninth grade. I was, you know, freshman on the varsity team. I was MVP and MVP all four years. And basketball just kind of was, was natural and normal to me. Uh, but I didn't think about, you know, maybe end of sophomore year, beginning of junior year in high school. I really thought, I, you know, that's when I started getting really recruited. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I can go to college for basketball. So that's cool. Mm. Uh, but uh, in terms of past college, I didn't think of that at all until my senior year in college. Yeah. Did you just play basketball or did you play other sports too? Yeah. In high school, I played uh, soccer in the fall and I played baseball in the spring. It was really good at both of those. Um if I knew any better, maybe I should have pursued soccer because uh, I was a goalkeeper and, and being a tall, big athletic goalkeeper is is uh, is rare and it's it's wanted. And so when uh, in college, when I was there on basketball scholarship, they started uh, a men's soccer program and I said, you know what, I'm going to go do it. And, and I was a starting goalkeeper in college for soccer as well. Oh, wow, okay. um, and I even had some coaches in that league that we were in, say, uh that i'm the best goalkeeper they've ever seen at that level and in, and it was a, a division two level so but um you know i only played the, the one year I, I could have pursued that and my my guess is i may have been even more successful at it
0: okay so you, oh so you did play uh soccer in college as well as basketball yeah
1: okay oh, yeah, wow. two sports uh, and, and you know, I was recruited by a lot of Division One colleges—about probably 15, maybe 20 total schools—and mm-hmm. probably a dozen of those were Division One, maybe maybe more. Um, and then I chose to stay home and go to a Division Two school. Um, but I, but looking back, yeah, maybe I should have gone to a Division One school and, and played. Some of those schools were in NCAA tournaments and, uh, and good pedigrees and whatnot. But anyway, it yeah. is what it is.
0: Yeah, but you never know, like if who would have
1: if you would have gotten
0: where you are today, you know, if you would have done that, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, the speculation's always fun. It's always yeah. it's always cool to think about. Um, I don't regret my decisions. I had a wonderful time in college, and and uh, but but it wasn't until my senior year that I actually I think performed to at least a level that I should have performed. You know, I averaged seventeen something. Points a game. I was third in the country in free throws at like ninety two percent. Was all conference and, and but before then, like I had never even averaged more than ten points a game. Uh, I think for, uh, freshman year was like seven, and then sophomore and junior were both like nine and a half. Yeah. So I just felt like I was an underachiever kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, what are you? So what are you doing now? Like, are you specializing in anything, or are you just like a personal trainer or? strength coach? Like, what do you call yourself?
1: Yeah. You know, what do I call myself? We, my buddies and I, some colleagues that we've done some of the same certifications and programs mm-hmm. have asked uh, ourselves and we all roll in a group text and we've asked ourselves the same question because uh, you know, when you think of personal trainer, a lot of people have, uh, this preconceived idea—they think you know Ben Stiller from Dodgeball, you know running Globo Gym, you know. Yeah. They think of these guys that they see, you know, 24-hour fitness, you know, watching the TV behind their clients' back. I've seen those people, um, but we're, we're we're definitely a cut above that. I've had I've had multiple clients tell me that I know more about their health than their own doctor does, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not claiming to be a doctor at all by any means. Um, but uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll give you a quick, a quick rundown. Um, 2007 is when I stopped playing basketball. I went back and got my master's degree uh, at Concordia University in Irvine, California, and I was a grad assistant on the men's basketball team. And that's when I decided to become a personal trainer to work my way through my master's degree. Uh, Cause it's real expensive in Orange County. And I thought, you know, oh, I played basketball. I know how to train. I know how to work out. Um, I could make a good amount per hour uh, and still be the assistant coach on the basketball team and make it through these couple of years, get my master's. Uh, and so when I got certified, my first certification was through uh, ACE American council on exercise. Mm-hmm. And um, when I, you know, I studied for like six months. And, and when I went through all the study materials and everything, uh, that's when I realized how much I don't know. Yeah. And for me, I, I love being in that position. I love being in that place of, you know, this whole new world was open. like, wow, I thought I, I thought I knew something. I I don't know shit about shit. when it comes to personal training, when it comes to working out, when it comes to exercise. And so that was a big jump for me in 2007, 2008. And then at the end of 2009 is when, um, you know, so I spent two years really evolving, um, in this personal training field and everybody that I studied always mentioned two names, Charles Poliquin or Paul check. Yeah, um, and Charles Poliquin's a French Canadian, and, and Paul Czech uh, is probably revered as the you know best holistic health guru in the world. And so I went and learned through both of their certification programs, through both of their. Uh, they both have started their own schools, essentially, um, and that's when like I went from like. Another big Pandora's box was open in terms of like, wow, I don't know anything even still like even more than I didn't know two years ago. Now I don't know even more. And so it's that whole thing. The more you know, the more you don't know. So, you know, that led me to really pursuing strength and conditioning with athletes. It led me to a very holistic approach um, it led me to functional medicine and looking at blood work and lab work and, and, and hormonal adaptation and things like that. And so um, so my career has really evolved. Um, when I moved from California in 2016, um, 100% of my clients were executives, CEOs, CFOs, senior VPs, um, business owners, semi-retired people, uh, between 30 and 60. And it was great. Um, all of those people want to live forever. They want the fountain and youth. They have the money to pay for the training, things like that. And then we moved to Austin, Texas. And... Um, had to get scrappy and, 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 build a new business again from scratch. Uh, but by the time we left there, which was only last week, um, my, my clientele was, was pretty much now focused back on that. It was, it was high level executives. It was, you know, there was definitely athletes, um, and there were, were other folks that were training, but, but that was my focus. Um, but being, having the basketball background and the sports background, um, the last year I've really made it a focus to go back to my roots, to go back to basketball. Um, Even though I've always had athletes, there's also always that gen pop clientele in the business. Um, And so about two months ago, I hired a business coach and and my main single focus is in the basketball world, working with professional basketball athletes. So, so yeah, it's, it's kind of taken a turn, but I've basically gone back to, you know, my upbringing in, in basketball.
0: Yeah, I mean that's cool because you know I kind of, I went through the same type of thing, you know yeah. I went through I went to this uh, I don't even know what kind of school it is kind of like a Votech college type yeah. of thing I don't know what you call those it was like a nine month school and you can go for so many different things then they had one thing for like personal training right. and I went and learned I thought I knew everything you know all I knew how to do was lift weights. But then I went and learned like so many different things, how to do things like, uh, in the, in, in the water and different things like that. And we went to, uh, got to go to Vegas to get our certification, which was the, uh, NSCA. Yeah. So I got that and then I ended up getting also the ISSA and then, um, so like after, so after that, that really opened my eyes to like, Oh wow, like this is something I like to I like to do because the re- the reason I wanted to do it in the first place was from training with the football team. And I tell people the story all the time is like my upper body was dead. I, w- I couldn't do anymore, you know. And uh I was on the ground like so coach wanted us to do push-ups. I was like, "Coach, I can't. I literally can't move." He took me by my shirt and was just like, "Come on, Hamrick and just like raised me up and down, you know? what I mean, I was like I want to do this to people, yeah. you know, and then, you know, I got to do that. But then somewhere along the line, it was just like, huh, like a lot of, a lot of these people seem to just, they want it in their mind, but not enough to do what I need them to do. Right. You know what I mean? So how do you deal with people like that? Because for me, it was very exhausting. And I talked to a lot of other trainers that says that's on you and i was like but i'm doing everything yeah you know what i mean so how do like how would you feel in that situation
1: yeah the you know I, i've definitely evolved over my career but uh, the 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 expert uh, is the probably the worst way mm-hmm. to to train people and that's exactly how i did train people early in my career it was i know this this is what i know But that doesn't ever translate to the person in their brain of actually creating habitual change Mm -hmm. um and so people typically know what they need to do you know what i mean if i have a client who's fat who comes to me um i i ask a ton of questions and i really um get them to answer their own questions that's really the, the the probably the biggest evolution I've had and it, and, it, and it helps a lot more, uh, my business, cause clients get, get better results, but then it helps those clients to be healthier and to, and to get better results. It's, you know, rather than saying, you know, I do a 90 minute intake session with all my clients and then rather than just saying, okay, so here's what you got going on. I want you to do this, this, and this, um, it's okay. So where do you feel you can improve in nutrition? Okay. So, so you think it's ABC great how are you going to do that? Well, I guess I could make my meals the night before. Well, I guess I could wake up 15 minutes early and do that. Okay, great. So, so which one do you want to do? Which one's better for you? Do you want to wake up early or do you want to make food the night before? I think I want to make food the night before. Okay. That's a great idea. Great. So they're literally coaching themselves without me doing anything. It's just guiding them to understand that they already have the answers inside of them. They just need to be, become aware of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's the same, I think, for me, for you, for everybody that, that's trying to make a, you know, a lifestyle change. Um, so, what do you?
0: How do you train? Like personally, like train yourself? Like, are you into like a certain thing, or like you just do your own thing?
1: Yeah. So uh, the the way that I train is the way I train my athletes. Um, I, I tell people there there's really no difference. Um, And the way I train athletics is the way I train my gen pop. And I know there are some nuances and some differences, obviously Mm -hmm. with a 24 year old professional basketball player versus a 45 year old, you know, gal who's trying to lose 40 pounds. But um, for myself, how do I train? I train upper body Monday, Thursday. I train lower body Tuesday, Friday. Um, If I'm trying to lose fat, I'll add conditioning in either Wednesdays and Saturdays. And then I always rest on Sundays. It's family day. It's church day. Um, I don't, I don't do anything. I try not to do anything on those days other than those things. Um, but yeah, for me, it's a, it's a four day, it's a four day training split. Um, and that's just how Charles Poliquin really, really taught and educated us. Um, and that's how he's trained hundreds, literally of Olympic athletes and professional athletes. Uh, and if it gets great results for them, it can get great results for, for, for me and for Jen pop too.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so question about basketball players. Because I always hear this like uh, myth about, oh, if you're a basketball player, you can't train during the season because it'll mess up your shot or stuff like that. But you hear like watching The Last Dance, like you see like Michael Jordan, like train like an hour before the game or something like that. You know, so what would be in your, you know, what would you say? Yeah, no, I remember
1: uh, growing up. Um, you know, there was a handful of Jordan movies, you know, back then it was VHS cassettes uh, and, and we would watch those. And I remember him, um, when he made the change to training on game days, um, and he said it helped him. Uh, I mean, we know that you can, you can basically potentiate your nervous system up to 48 hours before a competition. So that's probably was the biggest advantage that he had training on game days was it, basically activated his, his, his nervous system, got him, got him jacked up. Um, yeah, you have to train during the season. Most players can lose 10 to 15 pounds per, uh, in a season, you know, they'll start the season at 210 and end the season at 195. Uh, and that's just not good. It doesn't help for strength. It doesn't help for explosiveness. It leads to injury. It, it reduces your durability. Mm. Um, most basketball players, they go. So, so, For the most part, this is very generalized, but for the most part, that functional hypertrophy range of six to eight reps is kind of a sweet spot. Um, and maybe I'll get into fives and fours and threes. If I'm, if I'm working with a more experienced lifter, but most basketball players go the other way during the season, they go to hypertrophy tens and twelves and fifteens. Um, and they don't realize that the, the neural recruitment isn't there like it is in the fives and the sixes, uh, rep ranges we're talking about. And so, um, they lose explosiveness, they lose power. Um, and then they also, they're just burning a shit ton of calories every day. They don't right. eat enough food and, mm-hmm. and they, they think they are. But I mean, if you're six, seven 220 you know, that's a lot of food you have to eat just to break even. And then you add, you know, two hours of crazy intense basketball, which you can burn almost a thousand calories an hour if you're playing serious minutes. So you have a BMR of, 2,800. Mm-hmm. Then you add in your, your, your non-exercise activity, you're adding another 50%, you know, and then you add in a thousand calories per hour of intense basketball. Most of these guys aren't eating 4,500, 5,000 calories a day. Right. You know? So, so they're, they're losing, but yeah, you have to train during the season have to. Yeah.
0: I mean, cause another thing was like, Oh, people were telling me like, Oh, you'll get injured faster, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't think, You know, I think no matter what you do, if you're playing intensely in a game, you're bound to get injured somehow. You know what I mean? Uh, I think, yeah, if you take that injury prevention serious and you do it like outside of playing time and stuff like that. uh, But what about also like endurance? That's a big thing, too. Like how to train um, an athlete or a basketball player for endurance? Like, is it long distance? Is it sprints? Is it intervals?
1: Yeah. So there's three energy systems. Um, uh, there's three energy systems and, 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 what we know is the, um, the one energy system that's used the most in basketball is used 60% of the time. Uh, and it's that, it's that middle energy system. So you have basically the, um, well, I'm, I'm putting on blast here. I'm going to forget the names, but, but essentially we have the, the anaerobic glycolytic, the aerobic, and then the, uh, or sorry, sorry, sorry. Here we go. Anaerobic, a lactic, anaerobic, lactic, aerobic. Okay. And the anaerobic a lactic is that, you know, vertical jump, like three seconds of, of energy. And then there's the anaerobic lactic, which is that, you know, intense effort, but short bouts. And then there's that endurance or that aerobic. And 60% of basketball is played in that anaerobic lactic. So that's how your training has to be. That's how your training should be. And they are different energy systems because you're using different fuel sources in each energy system. So if you're training in endurance over here, you're not using, you're not training your body to use the correct fuel source that you use in a basketball game. So you have to train. You know, you use the term intervals like you, you, could, you, you could use that. Um, but but think about a basketball game. There's there's a play, you know, in the NBA, it's 24 second shot clock. Mm-hmm. And then there might be a dead ball on that play. So that play might only last 20 seconds. But then sometimes there's a play and then transition to the other end, 24 second shot clock transition back. But if you think about there's usually never more than three or four back and forths mm-hmm. before there's a dead ball. And it's usually two back and forths or even less. So think about the amount of time that you're using and the amount of effort you're putting into that time, if you wanna look at it that way. So intense bouts, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, 40 seconds. Um, And and the way you do it is you you train for the power first and then you increase the capacity. So you're gonna train in the correct energy system in that middle for the most part. and say say it's June and the basketball season just got over, uh, and you rested up for a few weeks, and then you get back to training. Your conditioning is always focused on max effort in those short int- intervals, in those short re- short periods. And then as the off season goes on, you can either add sets if we're talking you know sprints, um, prowler pushes, sled drags, things like that, tire flips, you know these conditioning type circuits. Right. Where you're working really hard, but for short periods, um, and then over the course of the off season, you can add sets, you can decrease time, you can increase the amount of the set. You know what I mean? But your conditioning will improve that way. There's, there's, that's where like the the whole science and the art come into it. Like, right. so we're talking the science, and then you as a coach need to figure out what your athlete needs specifically. Um, but you, in, you increase the capacity only after you're you're working on the power of that specific energy system. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. It makes tons of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause that's what, I mean, that's what I would think, but how do you think, uh, like guys in the NBA, like, do you, do you think the trainers in the NBA are doing doing those type of things? No, no,
1: no. I I know a lot of coaches across the world and none of them have spoken highly of any strength coach in the NBA. Now, I don't know anybody personally. Right, so this right, is right. I don't know you. Um, I know, you know, I talked to a, a Division I uh, university basketball program strength coach last month. We have uh, some of the similar uh, certifications through the Poliquin, the Charles Poliquin route. Um, and he said he knows firsthand. James Harden walks in the beginning of the season and throws down a $100,000 check and basically saying, here's my fines for the year. You don't plan on seeing me in the weight room um i know a lot of a lot of the, the guys are you know with the physios and whatever they're focused on you know injury prevention and prehab and the, the banded crap and stuff like mm-hmm. that uh, they don't focus on the training and so um i i don't know again i couldn't tell you one name on a strength a uh, strength coach in the nba i couldn't tell you one name so yeah. this is this is hearsay but from the people that i know right uh, and what i've seen just you know LeBron James's workouts and people doing this and that in the weight room and you know, on Instagram and whatnot—it's it, not impressive to me at all. Right. And again, I'm not saying I'm better than them. I'm just saying what I know and what I yeah. know works. It's I don't I don't see many people training right. Me. And then
0: being in the NBA, you think you you like you would expect more
1: of that. The you know, problem with the fitness industry, though, is you have these people who. Well, there's two ways I'm going to go with this. One is. Uh, NBA players are they play they have a job that takes them away from their hometown for majority of the year so when they're off season they go back home so who do they train with they train with their high school buddy that opened a gym they train with the the, the, their teammate that that now is a a personal trainer at some gym like it doesn't mean anything just because you're training a professional basketball player but that then could parlay you into a career you know LeBron James's high school friend, I'm using an example. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's training me in the off-season, and then LeBron changes teams. Hey, you know, he pressures the team to hire this guy as a strength coach, you know? Um, And you got that, and then you also have, you know, the fitness industry, there's there's all these influencers now on Instagram who just look good. Mm -hmm. And because they look good, they have a gazillion followers, and people think that what worked for that person is going to work for them. And sometimes it can, but just because you look good doesn't mean you know shit. So... (laughs) Uh, you know, that's, that's the problem with the fitness industry. It's oh that guy looks great or that girl looks great. And she's telling me to do this. So it must be hundred percent factual based on science. And it's going to work for me too. And that's it's just not true. Have you ever had
0: a client come in and say like, like first time sitting down with you and just say like, Oh, I was with a trainer that said I can look like so-and-so. You yeah. Know? And they just like say a person's name. Like I've had that before. And I'm just, just like, huh? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how how is your trainer going to guarantee that you're going to look like them? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I've had that. And I've had males and females, like, show me pictures of mm-hmm. Instagram people and say they want to look like this person. Uh, the first thing I do is I usually go to the math. So, like, one guy, uh, when I first moved to Austin four and a half years ago, I'm going to take a total guess, but let's say he was 5'10", 185", 20%, okay? Mm-hmm. And he came in, like... Focused, he goes, I want to be 190, 10%. I'm like, okay, 190, 10%. So I'm like, let's just do the math at 200 pounds instead of 190. So at 10%, that's 10 pounds of fat per 100 pounds. So you would have 20 pounds of body fat at 200 pounds. Right now, you have this much fat, which means you have this much muscle, which means you need to put on 28 pounds of muscle. So that's where the math is. So are you willing to train with me for two years or are you willing to train with me for six months, whatever the you know, amount of muscle it was that he needed? Um, when you put it in, in hard numbers, the guy was like, okay, yeah, that, uh, that's a little more tricky than I thought. You know what I mean? But yeah, 190, 10% um, for that guy was, was going to take a, you know, six months. Uh, and I don't think he wanted to put that work in.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I saw that all the time, too. But how how is the social media affecting you? Like either like good and bad.
1: Uh, I mean, the first thing I thought of was it, it, it's affected me bad because it makes me think I have to be on it to have a, a profitable career, which is not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go in spurts, but um, lately, man, I don't know. I don't know when I've posted. I, I think it's a. I think it's a detriment to most people. I really, really do. Uh, I posted October eighth. It's October 3rd so twenty two days ago on my, on my personal page. Like I, I I don't do it that often. Um, I've tried to be more serious this year with it, um, regarding the general population. I think it's, I think it's really difficult thing. Uh, one of the quotes I live by is comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. And I think social media has led us to compare way more than, than we would otherwise. And then people, you know, and of course, you know, people post their awesome meals. They don't post their, you know, pizza and their uh, beer and their french fries. Yeah. Uh, and they post their, you know, the gals when they're when they're turned at the right angle and, and, you know, their butt's bigger than their hips, their waist. And they've they've taken 50 pictures and they pick one out of them. Um, they don't give you the picture when they're in their pajamas waking up, you know, without any makeup on. Normally. Exactly. Yeah. I think social media has really been bad for a lot of people yeah I
0: mean I mean I'm someone like i i have uh i do like online i have like an online store where I sell supplements and my goal is to have my own like brick and mortar store like physical store people can walk into that kind of thing you know because I used to work at a supplement shop and I loved it yeah you know and then it after three years it went under and I was just like, ah oh, man, like I love just waking up in the morning unlocking the doors and just like setting everything up for people to come in and stuff like that. And just the interaction with people and getting to know their fitness levels. And, you know, we talk about different things and stuff like that. So what do you think about, uh, different types of supplements? Like you said, you're like holistic, like what kind of supplements are you, do you look into for like your clients and stuff?
1: Yeah. Um, I have a foundation like the basics, uh, the basics are, um, fish oil or Omega threes, um, vitamin D and magnesium. Uh, that's really where I start. Um, from there, assuming people have the cash and they want to invest in themselves and their health. Um, then the foundation also includes a multivitamin, multimineral, usually a greens powder, and then uh, something for their gut, something digestive. Um, and so those are my basics. Um, we know that there's a vitamin D and an omega-3 receptor site on every cell in the body. Mm. Um, and we know that vitamin D literally affects everything we do in a positive way. Um, most people don't get enough from the sun and even now, October 30th and being above the 37th parallel, most people aren't going to get vitamin D anymore until, uh, until the spring. Um, it's called the vitamin D winter. And that's why the flu season happens. I don't call it flu season. I call it vitamin D deficiency season. Oh, wow. So we, we're out in the sun. We get so the, and the reason we don't get in the, in the winter is because the UVB rays aren't there. We get vitamin D from UVB. And so we go throughout the summer. We're outside more. We're obviously, you know, maybe at the beach or the pool. We have our shirts off. We're in you know bathing suits uh, and our vitamin D just goes up. And it, it peaks about right now, about September, October, and then everyone goes back indoors, they put their clothes back on, and that vitamin D starts to go down. And that's when people start saying, hey, we need the flu shot. Uh, but in reality, you just need to optimize your vitamin D, you need to optimize your immune system. So, um, so yeah, vitamin D is critical. That's the first one. And vitamin D will help with body composition, will help with sleep, It will help with immune system, will help with recovery, will help with muscle growth. We, we know all these things about vitamin D. Omega-3 the same way. Uh, Most people that that come to me either for improved performance or for for body composition, um, their omega-3s to 6 and 9 ratios are off. Omega-6s and 9s are pro-inflammatory. Omega-3s are anti-inflammatory. Fat is inflammatory and inflammation leads to more fat. So uh, what we want to do is up the omega-3s. So um, that's always, and we know that omega-3s also help a variety of ways too in terms of muscle building and things like that. Um the NCAA actually uh bans omega-threes. The schools can't give um their athletes omega-threes because it is a muscle building supplement. <laughs> <Huh. That's laughs> so yeah, so so omega-threes are are also my uh one of my go-tos. And then magnesium. So magnesium uh is a mineral found in the dirt. Um our dirt is very depleted uh nowadays. And three out of four Americans are deficient in magnesium uh, and magnesium is necessary in over 350, uh, chemical reactions in the body. So this certain chemical reaction is going on. There's not enough magnesium present, the chemical reaction can't happen. And so, um, it, it, I, everybody needs it at some point, uh, in, in certain dosages. And so, uh, magnesium is absolutely critical. Um, it's an electrolyte. So people aren't hydrated, it helps with hydration. Um, It helps with stress uh, and the stress response in the body. Everybody nowadays is stressed. Um, It helps with blood sugar regulation. Most people don't have their blood sugar stabilized. So there's a host of things that that we need MAG for. Um, So those three are without question, like everyone needs them to some level, to some degree at some point in the year. I don't think it's a permanent thing, but it definitely needs, they need it at some point.
0: All right, so for uh for omega threes, so I actually sell an omega3 that's not fish oil, yeah, it's algal oil. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, okay, because I wasn't sure like uh, because what it says is that instead of the the fish using the fish can accumulate toxins and um, can produce peroxide. So I guess that's what it takes out. so I don't know how big of a difference that makes, I know it doesn't taste like, it doesn't taste like fish. You don't burp up fish like you would with a supplement like that. But, um, like in your opinion, like, I don't know if you ever tried it or anything like that, just because when I've used it, I was just like, I don't know if there's a difference, Yeah, you know, but I don't taste the fish. So that's what I like about it.
1: Well, I think anything out of the sea is important. I think if you look at civilizations, they've always lived near water and, um, i want to say you know i might get the numbers mixed up but but you know uh you know anthropologists say that that you know primitive man um consumed 300 to 400 grams of omega-3s in their diet weekly
0: wow.
1: yeah. and modern man it's like 20 to 30. it's like yeah. one-tenth of the amount so no wonder there's a lot of disease and, and and obesity and things like that um but civilizations were always around water um so so the sea naturally or rivers and streams naturally had uh, produce life, which humans could then eat. Um, so I think it starts with food, um, anything out of the sea, you need to eat. I take fish oil, uh, but we eat fish five times a week, literally sometimes six, um, just about every night for dinner, we have some type of fish and we rotate them and we always have, I can show you my freezer. Now we have four or five different types of fish, um, crustaceans. Um, those are kind of superior to fish. Um, so, yeah, anything out of the sea you need to eat first. In terms of supplements, though, if you're not eating it, then, yeah, let's supplement with it. Um, I could not tell you the, if algae oil uh, – I, I don't think krill oil um, is, is good. Uh, flaxseed oil, definitely avoid that. Flaxseed oil is rancid when it hits the shelves. Um, flaxseed is fine, but not flaxseed oil. Um, so when you're doing omega-3s, I prefer – um I'm I have a com- uh, a pro- uh, an account with Designs for Health. And Designs for Health is is one of the best rated supplement companies on on the planet. Okay. They're very clean, uh, very good source. Um but the omega 3s that I use are always the, the the smaller the fish, the higher the omega 3 content. Okay. So their fish oil is always made from sardines, anchovies and mackerel.
0: Mm.
1: Um and uh and that's just the one that I use.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I was thinking about so when you said like uh like, the when, when man was, like, primal in their, in that era, uh, they ate fish so much and stuff like that. And I thought of that show Alone. You ever seen that yeah. show?
1: You know, we don't watch much TV, but I have seen it, yeah. Yeah,
0: so, like, when they couldn't, there would be times where, the one I saw, they were put in the Arctic. Yeah. And when it started getting real cold, they couldn't find anything to hunt. You know, they were setting traps for rabbits and squirrels, but then other than that... So they had to go for fish, you know, and they were just eating fish over and over and over. The guy that ate the most fish pretty much uh, won, you know, because, of course, you know, you you had producers and stuff. They checked you like once a month or twice a month to make sure you were healthy enough to keep going. Right. But uh, no, this dude, because it's funny, is like in the beginning, he killed a moose. So he had it was like 900 pounds of meat or something like that. Yeah. And uh and it just didn't it didn't work for him. Wow. Huh. Because there was so much meat that it got bad because he couldn't finish it.
1: Right. You know, yep. he
0: just wanted to save it. And yeah. and you know it was the fish that helped him more than anything. I was That's like awesome. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, and then when I started that show, it completely changed my mind about things. Yeah. Cuz I was like, "Oh, if he kills a moose, he's good." You know what yeah. I mean? That actually pretty, that probably hurt him a little bit.
1: Yeah. So the, the, the thing that probably helped him the most, cause he was probably, I would guess in a severe caloric deficit, yeah. I would guess there's a lot of problems that he's dealing with. Um, uh, it's probably the DHA content in the fish mm-hmm. that just really supported his nervous system, supported his brain function, helped him not go crazy. You know, all those types of things.
0: That's crazy. Dude, um, so you said you don't watch too much TV, but I was wondering like if you, there's a bunch of like health documentaries, like you got the vegan ones, you got the uh, carnivore ones, you got all these different things. Do you have like a favorite that you've seen?
1: Uh, first one that comes to mind is, uh, Fathead.
0: Oh, I've never even seen that.
1: Yeah. Fathead was a basically rebuttal to supersize me. Mm. Um and, and I and I okay. I've never seen supersize me but I've read plenty about it yeah. this is I know now what 10 years old is it's, it's a long time ago but basically the guy ate fast food for a month and anytime they asked if he wanted to supersize it he said yes right um, fathead went around and did the almost exact same thing he ate only fast food for an entire month and his his mission was to prove that you can actually get healthier if you control what you eat so it's about the macronutrients um, and, and keep your calories to a certain level. I think it was just 2000. I think it was like the standard RDA 2000. Um, but he never had the soda. He never had like French fries. I think he ate some bread here and there, but, but basically he, he, he managed the macronutrient content, the breakdown, and he managed the calories and the doctor that he went and did his checkups during the videos, like a, was like, I don't support you doing this. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not helping you, blah blah blah. I'm just taking your measurements, but at the end of the movie, all of his all of his biomarkers improved. Wow. <laughs> so his point was supersize me supersize me as bunk. and that's the problem with a lot of these documentaries is 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 you know you can you you can I mean essentially it's propaganda mm-hmm. whether you whether you're for it or against it right is probably whether you like the movie um, but documentaries show one side and they tell you the story and they tell you this is fact. Mm-hmm sometimes it isn't
0: right and they word things in certain ways and they gear it towards the people that are that are already doing that yeah you know what i mean like the vegan one what's the what's that called i forget what it was called
1: forks over knives
0: no nah, there was another one that just recently came out oh yeah it showed all um, the what vegan was vegan
1: athletes uh with the one the one guy james uh yeah, james, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, I watched a few minutes. I, I watched a lot of breakdowns on both sides because I mean, this is my job to, to you know, pay attention to it. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, game, a-
0: the game changers.
1: That's what it is. Game changers. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So
0: that one is that something like? Do you have clients that ask you about these things, like stuff they see oh, all the time?
1: So if you go to, um, I'll send this to you now. So my. Yeah, this is it right here. My wife works for um uh a global health guru, if you wanna call him that. I'm sure he would hate that term, but I'm I'm messaging it to you now. Uh but his name's Chris Cresser. And he actually oh, Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he actually has been on Rogan five times, but the last time he debated uh James, the guy from Game Changer. Yeah,
0: I think he got destroyed though.
1: He did. Yeah. <laughs> He did. And it was, it was funny. And and hopefully this isn't like bad that I'm saying this and it's inside baseball, but Mm -hmm. um, he was on Rogan the week prior and he was on Rogan the week prior and he's a busy man, but he was on Rogan the week prior and basically didn't have time to prep like he should have for this next meeting, which was only a week later. Uh, And he went and did it. And he actually texted my wife and some of the others who are like the managers essentially of his company and basically said, he's like, I got destroyed. So, mm. but but what he did, what I just sent you was after the fact, he was able to do the proper research. And he posted it on his website, debunking pretty much everything, you know, what James said. Because James was like, you know, how do you even call yourself an expert, Chris? You don't even know how to read a forest plot. And it's like he was debating these some of these points that were kind of, kind of ridiculous, if you ask right, me. Right, yeah. But yeah, so I just sent you that because it's yeah. it's interesting to read. But um, but yeah, he did. He, he got he got pretty crushed on that debate.
0: Yeah, I listened to uh, crap. What's his name? Lane Norton a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and because um, I listen to him debunk what the what the health. Yeah, I remember what the health.
1: Yeah, that's another big one lately. Because
0: that was a big one. Um, my favorite actually isn't it. It's not so much about food. It was more about steroids. It was um, bigger, faster,
1: stronger. I did watch that with the Bells. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun.
0: That was one of my favorites. I've always been interested in in that kind of thing, like different steroids and like what it really does to you and what people think it does. And, you know, you got it, you know, it goes as far as taking it to Congress and all these people just love baseball. They don't know nothing about what they're, what people are taking. Yep. They just know that they love baseball and they don't want it to ruin their sport. You know what I mean?
1: I say, I say let it happen and let's see how far they can hit a ball.
0: <laughs> you know, and, and if, if you got, like, doctors, like, overseeing things or something like that, you know, I don't see what the problem would be.
1: It's out there. I mean, there's been technological advances in equipment and, in you know, the science behind how we, we eat and what we should eat and supplementation. Why wouldn't we allow, you know, some uh, – some steroids into the, into the mix. Right. And
0: everyone's looking for an edge, no matter where you're looking at.
1: Yeah. You hey, know? if you can, you know, grab the top of the backboard, I don't care. Let's, let's see it. <laughs> yeah. Show I
0: you me, can do it. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's being used even in, I think, uh, they said cycling is the most used. Yeah. Out of all, out of everything. Yeah. Cycling. A lot of
1: Olympians, the Russians, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, uh, Olympic teams get, get in trouble for using them.
0: Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: So, uh, what? how many, um, do you have a lot of like success stories? Like with people?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, some in the basketball world, some in the, you know, gen pop world. Uh, one of my favorite clients I ever worked with, um, he's still working out with, with a coach of mine at, at my gym in Austin. He um, if you go on my Instagram and scroll you know a few swipes down, you'll see him, but he was 350 at his peak mm. and, and we got him at his leanest he was 160. So he lost 190 pounds. Now he when I met him, so he, the way he tells the story is he started at 330 and I didn't know till about a year into working out that he actually started at 350. And on his on his own, just kind of doing hardly anything, he got down to 330. So he calls 330 his start point, but that's when he really got focused. He went on an all liquid diet for six months and he lost 100 pounds. And when I met him, he was 226. And at 226, uh, from being 350, he he still he, he had a lot of weight still to lose because he's only five eight, maybe five nine. He was 41 at the time, 42, um, and so. He looked at it uh at at 330, sorry, it's one sixty-five, he got down to because he wanted to cut his body weight in half. And he thought that just would be cool. So yeah, we essentially he he lost sixty pounds working with me. Um and the before and afters are great. And um I'll tag you and show you. But yeah, the left, you know, he's 350-pound man at five foot eight. And on the right, he's doing chin-ups with weight strapped to him. He's doing dips with weight strapped to him. Um he, and now he's a triathlete. Um, so he hit 165. I want to say around the turn of the year this past year, like January. Um, and then he was like, "You know what? I want to. I want to run a triathlon. I want to do an Ironman." I'm like, "All right, cool. You know, whatever." Uh, he races. He's a Google Cloud architect, but he races Porsches for 11. He's a race car driver, and that was initially why. We had to start losing weight because he was offsetting the balance of the car wow. being three thirty, and so they had to weigh down the other side of the car to help his balance during races because he's driving these Porsche Caymans that are really small and light, yeah. and so, um, but yeah, so he still races, but you know his health is just great, and he, he he sent me the probably the greatest text I've maybe ever ever received when I moved there a week ago. Brought tears to my eyes about how you know. You know, it's just been life changing for him. And and uh, so, yeah, he's he's probably my favorite success story. But now so then COVID hit like February, March. And so he's like, couldn't do any of these live events. So he bought a Garmin and he bought a, a thing that attaches to your bike that essentially puts pressure on the tires that simulates certain road races like the Tour de France. So like you want to go up the hill, the, the whatever it's called. The, the thing on the wheel will tighten to simulate the grade of that hill. Um, and so through uh, the digital world, through his Garmin and through that thing on the bike, he qualified for the National Ironman Championships like wow. in May, June of this year. And so now he's got a swim coach and, and um, he, did a, he did his first meet uh, maybe three weeks ago. And I think he finished fifth in <laughs> his age group. Uh, out of like a couple hundred people, like the dude is just a stud, so yeah i I love talking about him and singing his praises because he's just he works his ass off and 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 can't 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 say enough good things about him,
0: yeah, that's great that's crazy, man like yeah. did you did you hear <laughs> did you hear about the uh the woman she was she did that kind of thing, right? and she was going yeah. it was like one of the races to qualify and uh I think she was almost finished and she was like, I think she was like top five or something like that. Her yeah. husband tripped over the court. <laughs> so it completely, so she got out of the race and it didn't. Wow. where yeah, was this? I forget where I saw, I saw an article on it and um, I'm not sure where it was, but I just know it was one of the, uh, the like, uh, virtual races and it was an actual race, I think.
1: Yeah. Wow. And
0: she was like top five and then he tripped over the
1: cord. <laughs> I wonder if like, anything like this happened to, happen to Ryan. That's so funny.
0: I was like, dude, that's crazy.
1: Yeah. But
0: are those success stories like kind of why you got into training people like the regular, the general population?
1: Yeah. You know, the, the why is definitely changed a little bit. I mean, when I first got in, it was, I need to make money. I'm living in Orange County and getting my master's degree. Like I need to make more money than, than being a barista and being a waiter type Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. And so, and I couldn't have a regular job because our basketball practices were in the middle of the day. So nobody would hire me because I would have to leave for essentially three hours in the middle of the day to be there early for practice, you know, two, two and a half hour practice and then get back. So, so I had to do the really early morning stuff and the late stuff. Um, so, I was like, I could, I could be a trainer and I could work around it. And that was my why at first was I need flexibility and I need to make a lot per hour more than I'm making now. And then when I, you know, like I said, in about 2009, discovered Charles Poliquin discovered Paul check and really started learning their stuff. I was really like, wow, it opened up a Pandora's box. Like I can really help people like not just help them to lose weight, but like, them to live longer help them to not have a heart attack help them to you know be able to play with their kids and their grandkids like this is amazing and, and just working with people and being a coach was why i went back to college in the first place to get my master's so um and i went to be a basketball coach so i changed that to being basically a person a human coach but um but yeah i, I love helping people um and, and like i told you i've evolved to where now i'm, I'm asking a bunch of questions And I'm essentially helping people uncover that they knew the answer their whole, the whole time themselves. Right. They needed somebody to help them discover it. So, so it's, it's been great. Yeah. that's really my why It's just, um, you know, yeah, I'm I'm 40 now and I have two babies and, Mm -hmm. um, and so I need to make a living. I need to make money, but, um, but I, I love helping people, uh, get healthier. And then from the basketball player point of view, Um, I just love helping them realize their true potential. Like, you know, they're playing second division in Germany and and they could potentially be in first division Germany. They could potentially be in the NBA. They're playing in a country that's not basketball known. Like, you know, I I have a a player I know who's in Morocco. I have a player in Canada. These aren't very big leagues. Mm -hmm. Um, But to get to, you know, that pro A level in France or Germany or even NBA um, is really, really awesome.
0: Yeah. And, uh, so what do you think about, uh, like high school? Is that where you start should start training at is in high school?
1: Uh, absolutely. Like, no for, sport, reason like for sports. Yeah. You can train as young as nine. Uh, when I left Austin, I had, I had two sisters. I think she was 12, maybe 13. One of, one of, one of the most natural lifters I've ever worked with. I've posted about her on my Instagram too. Um, this little 12 year old girl. Um, cleans, cleaning jerks, like snatch pulls, like she's just a natural. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I, you can, you can train early and you should.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause I, that's why I'm a big believer in too. I think it really gives you, especially in high school, I think it gives you that edge because especially not a lot of schools have the opportunities to do that for their teams and other kids, unless you're out doing it by yourself and like individually, like your parents are paying for it or something like that. You know, so I always like my nephew was big into baseball. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, dude, you need to be faster and stronger. Those are two things that, you know, you're really, I think you're weak in. And yeah. it's one of the things, if you start working on it now, you're going to be levels above the people that you're playing with. Yeah. You know, cause you got talent on top
1: of it. Yep. But.
0: So yeah, I, I agree. I agree. At that age,
1: it's, it's really about rehearsal of movement too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big thing for me. I had a, I had a football player, uh, middle school football player a couple months ago. Um, and yeah, he was not a good mover at all. He was, he was very immobile, very inflexible. And it was just teaching him the movement patterns and getting them down before then, you know, in high school, being able to apply a heavier load. You know what I mean? Yeah. When'd you start training?
0: Me? Uh, so I was on and off through high school. Cause I, I played soccer. Yeah. And I wanted to get bigger and stronger. So I started lifting with the football team. Cool. And, uh, so their strength and conditioning coach, like really like drilled something in my head, like I need to be doing this. And I saw a difference on the soccer field, you know, but then after high school, uh, I didn't go to college or anything mm-hmm. and I just started working and then, uh, my mom, signed me up for the, uh, for Dawn Career Institute, which is like the nine month school I went to for personal training without telling me or anything like that. She's like, oh, we're going to go look at it. And good thing. I ended up like, like loving it. You know, we did our, we did our book stuff the first part of the day. They had a basement full of like gym equipment, you know, and, uh, we went down there the second part of the day. So it kept me focused. It kept me, uh, it kept my attention. I think my attention was the biggest thing. Yeah, you know, and then after that, I actually never worked out in a gym until I started working at one. So, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. and I started working at Anytime Fitness. So I actually, I would uh, go there around like one or two in the morning. There would be no one there just so I could figure out how to use the machines. Yeah, I didn't want to look stupid. Yeah, you know. So and then, and then I found my way into bodybuilding. And that just, after, like, when I found bodybuilding, it just took off. Like, my passion just took off for uh, all types of training. Yeah. And, but I also was so stuck on just your basic weight training. Yeah. You know, I was in, I was like, oh, this is all you have to do, blah, blah, blah. Whereas now, like, I do so many different things when I work out. Yeah. You know, so, but yeah, I mean, and that's all how it started. And then from there, you know, I stopped bodybuilding in 2014 because I actually went to take a year off to get bigger because yeah. that's, that's what the judges told me. They're like, you have shape, you have lines, you need to get bigger. I was like, well, yeah. pff, that does, I know that, you know, yeah. so, so I took a year off to do that. But then I ended up getting engaged. I ended up uh, trying to get a house and all these like life just started happening. And then my love for bodybuilding just kind of dwindled, you know, because I was so heavy into it. That's all I cared about. So, but now it's really about like, I'm not, I don't train people anymore. Uh, Well, I mean, I do. Uh, I help my friend out. She's a uh, amateur fighter. She's four. No
1: cool
0: right now. So I help her out and uh, you know, It's, it's fun. It's fun training athletes. I think it's more fun for me because she knows what she wants. Yep. You know, I don't have to try and, uh, try and get to trick her into knowing what she wants, whatever. She knows what she needs to do. She knows things about herself that she needs to do. And I, and I tell her too, I'm like, look, you need to get faster. Like the way you're moving around the cage, like ain't going to cut it when you get pro, you know? And that's what she's shooting for now is her pro debut. Cool. So that's what we're shooting for. And that's, that's where I'm at with training, you know, and I do a lot of powerlifting. I'm big into that right now. And then I'll add a little bodybuilding in there, uh, here and there and some plyos, stuff like that. But I just do it just to keep my mentality strong, right? you know, and then keep a decent body. You know, I don't want to look gross. So,
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's one thing, you know, I've, I've said that to many people is, If you are strong, you probably have a certain level of dominance over your own brain because it takes a certain level of of willpower, it takes a certain level of dedication, it takes a certain level of commitment, it takes a certain level of this has to get done, (laughs) takes a certain level of recovery. So, you know, you know, I love strength. I love being strong. I mean, it's in all of my business names. I mean, I put it everywhere um, because there's more to it. That word, there's more to it than just being physically strong to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of that. So what's your what's your deadlift at right now? Since you're a powerlifter, what's your what's your PR?
0: Oh, uh, I couldn't even tell you. Um i trying to think the most I've ever done, I think was five something, uh, yeah. you know, but I gently passed out after like, <laughs> you know, like I fell to my knee and stuff like that. But, you what know, I really, you? yeah, I don't try and, um, I mean, I do, I do a lot of like fives and threes yeah. and I'm doing, what am I doing now? What's it called? So I was doing the, uh, five, three, one program.
1: Somebody mentioned that to me recently, um, where there's a day where you go to to five, and then a day of triples and a day of singles. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know anything else other than that, but must be must be making its round right now because someone just told me about that like two weeks ago.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's great starting out. Yeah. But you kind of plateau through it. You know what I mean? Um, I stuck with it for a long time, and I was just like, ah, I gotta do something different. Yeah. You know, I'm just not seeing I'm not seeing the strength gains like I was before. And but now I'm doing something called it's like N Suns. Hmm. It's like a it's like a step up from the five three one. But it'll do uh it does tons of volume. Tons of I mean like nine to twelve sets. Yeah. You know, and you're doing like deadlift and front squat and then for one day. The next day is like shoulder press and bench press, the next you know. Stuff like that. And it's, it's fun for me, you know? It's what, like 10 sets
1: of two or something like that? 10 sets of three?
0: Um, let's see. So this one, so this one will go, uh, five, five reps of 75% and then three reps of 85%, 95%, one rep. And then the rest is threes. Okay. And it goes 90, 85, 80, 75, 70,
1: 65. Okay. So you're just backing off for the final. Right. X amount of sets. Okay. Yeah.
0: Interesting. And it changes every week too. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it keeps things interesting. It keeps it, you know, fresh and fun for me. Cause that's what I'm so used to doing the same things. Cause I'm the same way with eating. I eat the same thing Yeah. every day, you know, cause I can do that. But then you know, on my days off when I'm not working or something, I go all out. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because then that kind of like resets everything. But it's weird though, because I do feel good when I when I just eat like crap for yeah. these for the two days because yeah. it resets me. Then during the week, I'd eat what I need to eat. Yeah, you know. And I track my I track my calories and my macros too, because uh, I found that's the best way to that works for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. So, when you go off the when you go off the reservation, so to speak, to you, is is it mostly carby or is it mostly salty or is it a combination or?
0: Oh, uh, combination.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's just so, yeah probably more carbs than you normally eat when you're when you're. A lot working. more carbs. A lot more
0: carbs. Yeah. Which is yeah. funny. Which is it's probably a lot more carbs, but a lot less calories because during the week, uh, I eat about three thousand, uh-huh. and most of the time I'm trying to shovel it in. Right. You know, whereas during the week I feel like I eat crappier, but not as much. Huh? So yeah, it's a weird thing. Yeah. Maybe because that food fills me up faster. So,
1: yeah, it's also, I mean, so, you know, cortisol and insulin are inversely related. So it's all point behind comfort food. So you're, you know, you're driving down cortisol. Insulin is also needed to convert, t3 to t4 or t4 to t3 the active form of the thyroid hormone so you're you're upregulating your your thyroid so you're you're probably just sitting there feeling great because <laughs> you're eating so much you know stuff that does that for you
0: yeah i mean if i, I mean if i was feeling like crap i would definitely change something so yeah. i was like hey whatever i'm doing it's doing i'm yeah. doing something right so <laughs> yeah totally you know what i mean awesome. but so I like to finish these up by asking, just like what's your where you're at now in your life, not just with training, but with anything in your life. Like, what is your mindset? Where is your motivation, just to keep moving forward with everything that you do, with your business, with your family, that kind of thing.
1: Um. So my life has greatly changed. Uh, we have adopted two daughters, 21 months and eight months. Oh wow! So not even two years ago. Uh, I became a father. Um, there was some infertility issues. There was a definite, uh, reliance on God. There was definitely some, some anger potentially things like that. But, um, you know, and then, and then 13 months later, we, we adopted our second baby daughter this past February. So my motivation now is my daughters and my wife, um, uh, like I said, I started a new business. Essentially, we, we moved from Austin to South Carolina just last week, a week ago, Thursday. So it's only been eight days. So um, getting my, my, my online business ramped up is, is huge. Um, because, you know, to support the family, um, and just being, you know, that's part of being the best father I can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just really keeping my my spiritual strength up to really just staying focused um, and knowing that, I mean, the 21 month old, especially, man, she watches everything I do and she parrots everything I say, and it's only going to get more. So with, oh, yeah. with the, when the second one starts coming up and as they get older. And so it's just trying to be the the best man I can be. And a part of that is, um, is keeping myself healthy. Part of that is keeping uh, growing my business so that I can support my family things like that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really my 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 why right now.
0: Man, that's awesome. And yeah. you know, I appreciate you coming on, man.
1: Man, I think I, I thank you for having me. This has been cool. Um, I love chatting and, and I mean I think we we kind of got reacquainted. It was about five, six years ago when somebody shared something with me of you uh on Instagram. Okay. And you know, you move away from an area and then you don't see someone for 10 years and then you see him again and it's, you know, it's always surprising. And uh, it was like someone had took your, 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 your kid face and put it on a bodybuilder body. (laughs) (laughs) Like to me, it was like, oh my gosh, I know that kid. But now he's a big strapping bodybuilder guy. That's weird because it's the same face, but that's not the body I remember. I remember him being in elementary school. Yeah,
0: it's crazy. Uh,
1: And I did, I was doing dips. Uh, and i think i had like oh, two or yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- i had like two or three plates strapped to me doing doing dips and i sent it back to you and i think you did like three plates plus a quarter or something like yeah. that and we went back and forth a couple times on uh, how much weight you could we could dip um uh but yeah no it's been great just kind of uh you know reacquainting with you it's been fun thanks for having me
0: yeah man i appreciate it and you know, I just, uh, you know, just hope you do, you know, all the big things that you plan to do, like especially with your business, you know, because I know how that, how that goes and I know it's tough.
1: Yeah. Yeah, restarting stuff. I mean, it really is. Afraid to yeah, turn out the light all right, is man. There there I'll talk to you later. You yep. Right.
0: What's there out in the dark? Make sure to keep all your windows locked. Do you, do you sorry?